insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I protect insurance and financial services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you? Best I have ever been, Bradley. We have got so much to talk about today. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, our guest had a little bit of trouble, in case anybody's wondering. So you got me and Scott today. Hey, listen. Yes, not only had trouble. Scott had trouble. When I got in here this morning, okay, let me back up. 4 a.m. this morning, I sit straight up out of bed. Could not go back to sleep. Just got up. Hell, I got in the office this morning about 7.30. I've been I've been this bitch all day long since yeah. 7.30. I got here pretty early, too. I was jamming. You know how you get in the office and you kind of get in your groove? Uh-huh. Everybody is leaving me alone. I was in my groove. All of a sudden, phones go out, internet goes out, desktop goes off. And I texted Bradley, and I was like, dude, it's like 30 minutes before we're supposed to podcast, and we're uh-huh. having a service outage all over Huntsville with my internet right now. Yeah, I don't know that it was 30 minutes. I think it was closer than that. I think it was too. Say, so I'll tell you what we did at our office and I would encourage you guys to do this. So we, uh, being downtown, it's a little bit older area. Stuff goes out. You know, we lost power today too. We're on fiber internet, which is helpful. And we bought a battery backup. We get, I think one hour of battery out of it. That That's our, our router plugs into that. So when the power goes out, we can actually still work on our laptops till either the laptops die or the battery backup dies, which is beneficial stuff. You have to think about when you're in hurricane land, you know, y'all been getting a lot of rain, hadn't you? Good God. It, we, it has rained. I was in Boston last week from Monday to Friday. I think it rained every day we were gone and it's rained every day since we've been back. And it is going to be at least a 60% chance of rain from now until the next 10 days, as far as the forecast can see. Right. Which is not good considering the first two weeks of September or the, the, the height of hurricane seasons. It's like, oh, it's like, mm-hmm. if we can make it through the first two weeks of hurricane season, we'll be okay this year, I feel like, hurricane-wise, because that's the peak. Right. But I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you. But I don't, I don't blame you. I would be hard too. market. We really, really, really got to make it through hurricane season, or <laughs> it's not going to be good. I'm going to be okay. Let, I'm going to be, me, I'm going to be working at the Flying J truck stop if we have I another hear hurricane. That I was just about to ask you what happens in this scenario. I'm going to throw a scenario out at you. Yeah. Category four buzzsaw comes right up through Mobile Bay destroys everything from mobile all the way to Foley is just <laughs> ransacked category four. I'm not even going to say a five. Cause I can't even, I can't even imagine what would happen yeah. there. How bad is it going to be insurance wise or yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it will turn South Alabama into North Florida. What I mean by that is I think the market, what you'll see is it'll be similar to Florida state run insurance. Good God. I hope not. Now, I do think that we are more prepared. When Sally hit, 
Sally was the first major storm that was a direct hit in 16 years. So because of that, I'm a big believer in the law of averages. If something hasn't happened for a long time, it's bound to happen. Right. If something has happened for a long time, it's bound to not happen. That's why I like roulette. Right. My, one of my favorite forms of gambling. Uh, not that I gamble a lot. So I'm, I'm hopeful. And you know, I have a little bit of blind optimism. You but do. I'm, I'm hopeful. Which is that, good, by the way. Yeah. Very good to have. Uh, I get it from my mom. But yep. I'm hopeful that because we went a long time between major storms and we had two back-to-back. Right. That, and, and by the way, the 16 years before, it was two back-to-back months. It was right. Ivan and Dennis. And mm-hmm. this time it was Sally and Zeta. I'm hoping we have at least a few years. You know what I mean? Because right. there's a lot of places those things could go. But if that happens, man, it's going to be bad. But I will say we are more prepared. You know, last time it was the first one in 16 years. No one knew what a hurricane deductible was that was not an insurance agent. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you try to explain it to them, they don't understand. So that was something that everybody learned. So that's good. A lot of folks have gotten new roofs. You know, it's kind of like when I went to work at Alpha, everybody's roof was 2005. Right. That's when Ivan and Katrina hit and Dennis, right? Well, Katrina wasn't a direct hit, but we, hit, we, were, we got some of the, the bands from that. Sure. So now it's like everybody's roof is 2020. So right. that's good because they're, they're stronger and withstand. So I don't, I don't know, again, blind optimism. I don't know that even if we have a direct hit, that it's just devastating. You know what I mean? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there definitely will be areas. It's not going to be the whole area. You know what I mean? But if that does happen, it, it's going to be really bad for the insurance market, really bad for the community. So I don't know, man. Hopefully it doesn't happen. That's all I can say. But I'm currently, as we speak, I'm trying to acquire agencies outside of Alabama just to diversify outside of Hurricane Land. Sure. Makes I got sense. one in Tennessee right now. I'm looking at one in Ohio. So I had an agent called me at lunch today while I was working out. He said, you're not going to believe this. Found an agency, thought Bradley might be interested in, texted him a screenshot of it. It was for sale. <laughs> And he said, Bradley sends me a text message back, said, I already got the PL. <laughs> I do. I had already sent him to Kerry Wallace by the time I was on a call with Kerry Wallace when he texted me that. Already got him. I've already been through him and struck through all of the stuff that I wouldn't need to keep to see how much more profitable I could make it. So that one was local though. Bradley, I want you to tell these people what you've got sitting on your desk right now. I want I, they need to know what's about to happen. You guys aren't going to be able to see this. But the fire, the fire is about to come on. I'm holding what looks like the Death Star from Star Wars. Just imagine the Death Star with a bunch of cameras around it. It is a, a circular, or not a circular, I guess, a spherical black Ooh. camera with camera. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cameras around it. It is that all shoot 180 degrees all the way around. It is a 360 degree camera. If you want to Google what it looks like, it's the Insta 360 Pro 2. And try not to pass out when you see how much it costs. Anyway, I rented it. You know, I'm always trying to like have us, and Scott too, we're trying to be on the forefront of things, right? Let's try different things. Uh, We're doing more video now with the podcast because I see that's where things are trending. I guarantee you, a large percentage of people that listen to podcasts listen to them on YouTube. So they're watching the video while they listen to it. Right. We're doing video. So I'm a huge Oculus guy. 
I love playing golf on Oculus. A lot of you guys know that. I do think that VR is here to stay, and I do think it's going to become more prevalent. So what? And Scott actually gave me the idea. Uh, so I said Scott and I, but he actually sent me a video of somebody describing this and said, "Get to work." And I, <laughs> I did. And, I, and I got to work. Uh, so Scott and I are getting ready to record. Uh, and this affects you all. Scott and I are getting ready to record in person, our first in-person session for probably a year or so. More. Yeah, a year and a half, I think. Yeah. And he's coming down. We're going to do one day in my office, one day at the studio with Johnny. And we're going to have this camera sitting in a chair in the studio. It's a 360 camera. The footage will be put on Oculus, I believe, on YouTube 360. And you guys will be able to put an Oculus device on for those of you that have them or if your kids have them and feel like you're in the studio. Now, that's not to say that we feel like people think they would want to be in the studio with us. It's not from an ego standpoint. It's from a, hey, this is something cool we're trying because you can put it on and feel like you are in the recording with the insurance guy. It's going to be a little clunky. The footage may not be like, you know, exactly. I mean, it, you know, everything, nothing goes good to begin with. And what I'm told, I actually had a videographer in here today talking to me and he said the problem with those is editing the footage and i said we're not really going to edit we're just gonna put it up so it's gonna be raw so that is kind of just like i like it boys (laughs) (laughs) every female listen to this just turned it off hey let me just throw a shout out to my boy josh bagby for sending me the t-shirt guys i I already sent him a picture of you wearing it i look like you look nice i look like who i am you do. I look do. like a man that lives in Pine Ridge, Alabama right now and likes to chop wood with an axe and pressure wash his house. That's exa- Josh, thank you so much for my beautiful T-shirt. I told these people, I told all of them, send me a T-shirt, 3XL mm-hmm. from your agency, and I'll promise you, it will. Ha- I will wear it on the podcast. And I there have. I think I've re- worn everybody that sent me one. I think I've worn their T-shirt. But That's a good way I, to up- upgrade your wardrobe. Send me one, too. I'll wear them, too. I'll tell you Josh, what. Josh sent me a shirt, by the way, as well. I'm going to tell you something, Bradley. I am super excited to be coming down there with you. I'm excited to get to spend some time with you because I don't think people – People may or may not have this perception, but I have this feeling they have this perception that we talk all the time and we, we don't. I, I I would say and, and spurts, recently, but it spurts, spurts. But it recently, we haven't talked a lot except when we do the podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. So getting to catch up a little bit, getting to find out what's been going on in your world, because Bradley and I both do a really good job. You know, I hate to admit this, but let's just have secret time for just a little while. Trust Can we tree. do that? Secret time, man. One thing I love about Bradley Flowers, uh, there's a lot that I love about my brother Bradley. He is short to the point. When he calls you, he's gonna get out what he needs to say. He <laughs> might, he might just kind of in passing. Hey, man, how you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, so da 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 da. Okay, gotta go. Bye. See you. Bye. Click. Hang up the phone. I'm like, yeah. I love it. And I don't mind people that are long-winded. I, I don't. We have we know quite a few of those in the industry. Yep. But boy, those little two-minute uh, readers digest catch-up phone calls are nice. You know, I'm working on a project now with a guy and who's really analytical and thinks about things and sure. uh, does his due diligence, which I do too. But he asked me a question, and I was like, "Yeah, do it." Right. And he's responded and said, man, you don't waste time with decisions. I said, nope, I don't. My, a lot of you guys don't know this. My number one biggest pet peeve in the world mm. 
is indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. I would rather you or me or whoever make a decision and it be the wrong decision than waste 20 minutes, two hours, two days, right, two months trying to decide. Now, obviously, there's some things you should think about. Right. But what, and that's like, we do, we're doing this podcast. Like, we decided we want to do it. We did it. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't waste time with decisions. Make a decision. Like, like so much is lost in analysis paralysis. Dude, when, when we're just, when we're trying to decide where to go eat for dinner, I'm like, let's just uh, pick something. Like, don't like just decide and pick. We don't, oh, he could go here, but then, you know, it, down to that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. It's really trusting your gut. Right. Trusting your, that's really what it is. People take time to make, make decisions, not because is it the right decision or is it not the right decision? It's because they don't trust themselves in the decision yeah. they would make. And that's really what it comes down to. I'm the same way. Now, I will say if it's a large financial yeah. commitment or, or, or a contract where we're about to enter into a three-year, well, right, right. I will usually stop and take more than five seconds to make a decision. Yeah. Most I'm not stuff, saying to be reckless, but yeah, right. So I was actually talking to, to Mick Hunt earlier today, and we were talking about how I choose because I, I get through the podcast and the agency and some of the stuff we do in the industry. You know, we get a lot of stuff thrown at us, right? And I'm an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, we have ideas a minute, right? And I think a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make is they try to run too many businesses that are different from each other. Mm-hmm. When you run multiple companies, I actually made a piece of content about this the other day. When you run multiple companies, they need to be somewhat parallel to each other, not perpendicular. And I'm not trying to give everybody a geometry lesson. Is that geometry? I'm not trying to give everybody a a school lesson, but especially your first, second business, it has to be somewhat similar to your main business and your third and fourth and so on, because it's easier for you to run them at one time. For example, right. this podcast, it's easy for me and Scott to do this podcast because in the insurance industry, we run insurance agencies. Right. If we were doing a, uh, how to run an airport hair care and tire center podcast, <laughs> it would be a lot harder and one right. would take away from the other. So we get a lot of things thrown at us. And I was talking to Mick and about like what I decide to pursue and what I don't. And I said, here's, here's what happens. So in order for me to pursue an idea, a project, a business, whatever, I have to obsessively think about it. Like it has to be the only thing on my mind and I can't get it off my mind. Right. And then what I do is I, and I'm not trying to make myself out to be this great decision maker. I'm just saying this is what I do. And this isn't going to work for everybody. Then what I do is I purposely put it on the back burner. I try not to think about it for a few weeks. And then either A, if I can't stop thinking about it, or B, I go back to it and then it's like, okay, this is, you see what I mean? Right. This, and then once we decide to do it, it's happening. It's like with the One City World Tour. Once we decided to do it, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's not like this, should we mull it over? Should we this, that, the other, and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? 100%. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon, but what you're talking about right now dovetails nicely into some upcoming podcasts that I want to, I want to speak on a little bit more in detail about what I'm about to say. So our podcast listeners and our independent agents had problems. Scott had solutions. So a couple of things I've done over here, 
I haven't really done much of anything, but this dovetails into your, yeah. if you're going to make, make decisions, make them and go. Mm -hmm. So for my career in insurance, I've always, especially the last three years, I've noticed that there are a lot of agents out there just like I am. Okay. They have problems with automation. Mm -hmm. So what did we do over here? Justin Miller creates an automation consulting business. And we are about to introduce that to the world here in the next few weeks. Cool. We, we, our first client was none other than our friend and great American, Mr. Aaron Robertson. Aaron's like me, he can barely turn on a computer. So I knew <laughs> if we could get Aaron Robertson on the right track, we could help in just about anybody. Dude, we've created the website. We're already, I think we're working with, uh, Doug Benz and his group right now. But we're going to introduce that to the world here in a couple of pro probably two to three weeks. That's we, awesome. we, we got that going. And then I have heard over and over and over and over and over and over again about nobody has a really good commercial insurance proposal to give to clients. Well, we hire a group of developers who've been working feverishly for about the last nine months to come up with a commercial insurance proposal that we can now take to the masses, change out the logos, change out some stuff, web-based. You can do it on your cell phone. I think we'll have that ready probably by the end of this month. That is needed. That is needed very much so. Yeah. And I, I'm going to let you beta test it. I think it's going to be, I think what's today, Thursday. Yeah. Friday tomorrow, I think is our chance to start beta testing. It. Ooh, yeah. Send me credentials. I will. I will. Just, as soon as just, we're ready, I'll send you credentials. So I'm dropping guys. I'm dropping all awesome. kinds of bombs. And I, today, didn't, I didn't know either one of those things. Hey, people had problems. Scott had solutions and I just, um, got, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have Justin Miller in my agency. Who's so technology savvy and he can do a little coding, but he can, you know, he can do so many different things like that, that I, t I told him, I said, Justin, you got a tremendous opportunity out here to help the entire independent agency force who doesn't understand how to get all this stuff connected. Mm -hmm. You know, we God almighty, we're connect now we've got down desktop phone calls from Lightspeed going into our Hawksoft automatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do that too. You know how many people can't do that? I mean, if you're just a normal agent out there, you wouldn't know how to do that. Or people that are paying people an hourly wage to make oh sure God. their phone calls get put in the right spot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, there's no telling what they're paying for the shit like that. So I'm excited. I'm excited, guys. I'm awesome, excited man. for I'm, I'm not excited for me. I'm excited for all of these guys listening and girls listening right now to have an opportunity to work. I, I told Justin, I said, here's here's the deal, dude. This shit's like the Apple store. You can work with three at a time, three at a time. Mm hmm. Because like you said earlier on, Bradley, there's only so much capacity in a day. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're just going to have to tell them, hey, if you're number seven in line, you're number seven in line. And when you get in the top three, I'll, I'll email and call you. You're up to bat. I'll, I'll work with you for two to three weeks, build out your automations, make sure you understand them, make sure you know how to use them. The one thing we can't do for you guys, though, is we can't sell policies for you. Yeah. Unless know, you want automation can sometimes. Never well, know. I'm saying, I'm saying if we get the phone ringing, yeah. if I get the phone ringing, if Justin gets the phone ringing for you, I can't be in your office selling insurance policies for you. I'm sorry. That's the great problem with marketing companies 
a lot of people who run marketing companies will tell you their biggest problem is that they drive leads to these companies, whatever, right. whatever industry it is. And then there's no business closed right. because their salespeople suck. Right. And they don't actually have processes around that, yep. but they blame it on the marketing company. Right. That's like a universal problem in the marketing industry. Correct. I happen to own a marketing company, so I know, but I have friends who've told me that as well. And I'm not doing this, but I do think it's smart. If you're going to run a marketing company and it's going to be the thing you do, I think you should invest in some a sales training vertical as well. Agreed. But you reminded me of something. So I was a teenager and I decided I wanted to give golf lessons. And I thought, hmm, what's the best way for me to like get a good reputation <laughs> as a golf trainer? And I picked this guy at the golf course that was like the worst golfer in the history of the world. And I'm like, if right. I can fix his slice and I knew exactly how to fix his slice, I tried it. I did not fix the slice. <laughs> so I decided I did not want to be a golf trainer. I understand. That's Bradley, awesome, man. Yeah. What, Brad, uh, like one of the ideas I've thought about, and this is, I'm not doing this yet. This is, I'm just throwing this out there to you and the listeners. Like I've considered hosting a scratch agent workshop. Right. So like one thing about me is that I'm never going to try and I'll kick my coverage in terms of the people I'm helping. What I mean by that is you and I both know of people who are giving advice, maybe, maybe no one specifically, but people who are giving advice in areas that they've never actually been in. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the biggest thing you have to watch out for when you're hiring a mentor, a trainer, whatever, is make sure they have the credentials to back up the things that they're helping you with. Sure. And that doesn't mean you have a buddy when he was playing golf, he used to say, I won't take advice from people that can't beat me on the golf course. Mm -hmm. And while that may seem true on the surface, I don't think that that, I think it's necessarily true. I think we all can learn something from everybody, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to brass tacks, right? So I have a problem. I can't do a work, an immersive workshop where we're going over every part of the agency Right. I can't do a workshop for agencies that are 20 million in revenue or 10 million, really less, you know, more than a million in revenue. Right. So one thing we thought about, I mean, I can help them with ver different verticals, but not the whole agency. I've never done it. Never been there. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing I've thought about is possibly doing some sort of scratch agent and not only scratch, but agencies less than a million in revenue, less than 500 K in revenue but really scratch agent workshop for people who yeah. are considering starting a scratch agency, basically taking them through. This is exactly how we set it up. Essentially. Right. So that's what, that was what I was talking to Mick about. Well, the other thing you have to be careful of too, and you brought this up earlier, or maybe I did about capacity. You know, we've only got 24 hours in a day. I know. And I know. man, if you're going to start six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different businesses and be this over here and that over there, whether it's hand in glove or not, you know, if you're working on your X, Y, Z business, well, then you're not working on this other business. I'll give you, you I'll give everybody you have to be a tip. careful. You have to be careful with that. Define who the operating partner is. The one way you can run multiple businesses without having a capacity problem is with partners and you have one person that's the operating partner and you're not. Yep. Or you find you an employee that's really passionate about that. And they, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it's you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I'm, 
And I'm sitting here like two days ago, I was thinking, how do I like cut down on some of the extra stuff that I do? But I mean, like there's one business that, that you know about that I have equity in that I actually got them to buy me out because yeah. it was just taking too much of my time. It was too perpendicular to what I was actually doing. Right. And I'm like, I just want to focus on my thing, you know? And it was also well, one thing too, I'll give everybody advice. You know, we don't see it because we're in the insurance industry and it's insulated, but the best piece of advice I can give people when it comes to what type of business should I be involved in, look for something with recurring revenue. Mm. regardless of whether you make a sale or not. Right. That's the beautiful thing about our business is we make recurring revenue, whether we're bringing new customers in or not. And the problem with that one business, which was the first business that I've ever said, Hey, I don't want to be involved in this anymore. Is right. I realized this, this son of a gun doesn't have recurring revenue. This thing doesn't have recurring revenue. And that's not really my jam. Recurring revenue is like, there's some famous person, I'm not sure who it was, that said the greatest marvel, the greatest invention ever is compounding interest. Mm -hmm. I would argue that recurring revenue is more marvelous than that. Mm -hmm. That's the real genius or, or the big benefit behind owning an insurance agency and, and being a part of an insurance agency. Yep. Even if you're not an agency owner, and let's say you're just a you're you're a producer in that agency is that recurring revenue in the form of, of renewals. I mean, I, I've always said that's where the money is in the insurance industry is in the renewals. Hey, even if you are an employee of an agency that's not getting renewals, you are seeing the benefit of that uh -huh. because the person who's paying your salary has a consistent revenue. Dude, you are, you are seeing the benefit of that. You know, I was on vacation and we hadn't even gotten to this yet. I was on vacation last week in Jamaica. When I was down there, I had great internet down there. I was down there on like day two of being down there. I look at my phone one day and we, I, we had sent our bookkeeper, Gina, commissions for last month. You know what Clinton Orr made in commissions last month? Does he want you to say it? $30,000. Most of which was renewals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thirty exactly. thousand dollars in one month. That's on renewals. Hell, that's almost as much as a damn school teacher makes in a year. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. That's the whole reason why people like Grant Cardone get into the apartment investing business is, mm -hmm. is that recurring you got, you know, thousands of people living in these apartments that you own. So every month mm -hmm. you're getting that recurring revenue coming in. That mm -hmm. you know what I, I mean? I was talking to someone the other day. I'm not going to say who, but it was a family member who I was trying to, who is really good at this one thing, right? Works for a company that's owned by another family member. And this person's really good at this one thing. And I, they got the idea that they should start a business doing this for other companies, I'm trying to be vague. And I was like, yeah, you should do that. That's awesome. I'll help you. And I said, look, get you 10 clients paying a hundred dollars a month. Yep. 10 clients paying a hundred dollars a month is a hundred grand a year, 120 grand a year. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I didn't think about it that way. Right. You think like, Oh, I'm gonna get these, but, but like it adds up, figure out a way yeah. to get your expenses down. Hire you and take, take $30,000 of the $120,000 gross revenue. Hire you an employee to run the day-to-day -day operations. Right. Yahtzee. Yahtzee, dude, my marketing company, man, and this podcast, when I look at the P&Ls, 
I'm like, man, it's just so much cleaner than Portal. Yeah. Because it's so much, so many moving yeah. parts, you know? Well, you can say the same thing for service industries. I mean, hell, I know kids. When I was at Birmingham Southern in college, we had a couple of uh, buddies of mine started a, uh, they, they were from kind of a well-to-do part of Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And when they were in high school, these two boys that were in school with me started a landscape business. More yard cutting than landscape. When I think landscaping, I think of like sprinkler systems and putting in shrubbery and sod. Well, these guys just basically started a maintenance landscape company and had them about, I don't, I don't know how many accounts they had, but those son of a guns is making about 50 or $60,000 while they were in college. Mm -hmm. Just cut, just cutting people's grass. Yep. Uh, and that's just one business that I could think of. You, know, you talk about recurring revenue. Well, if you get pest controls, another one that's always interested me, I've always wanted to try to get in the pest control business. And we have a friend in the insurance business down in, uh, South Alabama that did it mm -hmm. and he's done, morning. done well with it. Those recurring maintenance accounts. Well, I could say the same thing about insurance, you know, life cycle of a client. Hell you take the client that's got a home and four or five cars and a 16 17 year old and life insurance policy with you and an umbrella and three or four other things bo think about the revenue over a 10-year period if you're able to keep that client over a 10-year period how much revenue that brings into the agency mm -hmm. that's a lot that's a lot of money scott, off one client scott what's going on with the you know claim it's getting paid good yeah they got in touch with the, our client last week, reached out to me, basically said, Hey, this was by email, but they said, look, we're, we've looked into this. This is covered under your ENO policy. They had a, um, like an independent adjustment firm that they worked with. And I can't remember, I could look it up on my phone and tell you what it was that was going to go out and do the estimate for sure, them. Sure. They're being overpaid probably, but yeah, it's getting paid. I have not been contacted since Monday by them, but to me, such a blessing this happened when I was on vacation because when stuff like that happens, it's in the back of your mind all the time. Mm -hmm. But first or second day of vacation, the adjuster for Hiscox emailed me. He's like, hey, we reached out to the guy today. We're good. He's good. He knows what we're doing. We're, we're on top of it. And since then, I have not heard a peep. But he did send me an email, basically laid it out and said, we're paying this claim. I'll tell you a silver lining in this is if you can get this handled and paid to avoid with the client without the client lawyering up. Right. Because that further complicates things. Sure. And I was under the impression you get some of you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've never been through an ENO claim with my agency as far as one that's paid out. I mean, we had one we had to put on notice, but nothing happened. That's a story for another day. I was under the impression that a lot of times the client didn't even know that the ENO company was involved, that it somehow went through the carrier that you had. You know what I mean? And, and the reason I say that is I had a carrier rep was telling me a story where somebody filed a claim. It wasn't covered. The carrier went through the ENO or something to that effect. Anyway, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Either, I could be completely wrong on that. I don't know. I don't write insurance agency, you know, so. Well, I don't see how that could happen unless... I don't know because because the very first thing they're going to tell you to do, guys, if you ever have an ENO claim, is you're going to have to file that claim with the carrier that you had the business with and get that claim denial letter first. Well, that claim denial letter, guess where else it's going? 
the client to, to the customer. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't know how you'd get around it without, you know, it's and plus and you told me this the very first time I called you, we were talking and I told you about this, Bradley. You said, Scott, this is going to take probably longer than a normal claim would. It's And it did. It drug out for probably a week. Yeah, probably about a week before it kind of got off center. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole, like the clients, like, you know, I've, I've had a fire. Like, this is a pretty big deal. Why are you dragging your, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think it, depending on the severity of the claim, I guess. You know, you got to tell them something. You can't just say, right. well, you can't just keep kicking the can down the Yeah, no, I'm road, not saying you know? that. I was just, I, I, think, I think I was confused on that, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know Locker how you get guys, around it. We don't know everything. Well, I, I, I do know that with captive carriers, if you're a captive agent listening to this, most of them. They have, do their own E&O or something like that. Yes. Agency, yeah. it's called an agency support claim. Uh, is what nationwide called it. I guarantee you every carrier calls it some var- variation of that. But it's, it's like just, at Alpha, my E&O that I had to pay for and the carrier was Alpha. Right. Like, how does that right. work? Exactly. Now, now that may be some thing where you could kind of slip around and, you know, not not let somebody know that, hey, you know, this is going to have to be paid by E&O. Or, and they don't call it E&O. They always call it something like agency support. Well, it's not really agency support. It's really E&O. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where we are with and that. You have too many agency support claims. You're, you're screwed. Somebody told me last week, if I had, so I've had one E&O claim now. So my E&O is going to almost double. Okay. Probably. If I have two E&O claims, it triples mm. and it's hard to find. If I have three E&O claims, I'm out of business within a certain period of time. Nah, I feel like you could still find it for $45,000 a year. You would just be paying a lot. I feel like you could, because you think about like big firms like Brown and Brown and Arthur Gallagher. I mean, you know, they probably have three or four, you know, claims a year. You can't be that big and not have them with that many people working. for you. I I agree. Yeah. Bigger you are, the Um, better the chance. It's it's like the more you drive, the better your chance is of having a wreck, right? Sure. It's, you know, but they uh, got a lot of weight behind them too, Bradley. I don't have, they do. No, they do for sure. For sure. That's the caveat. But I feel like you could find it. But you definitely don't want to have them for sure. We now, got now, now I want to know what Brown and Brown or uh Hub International pays for EO insurance a year. If you're the CEO of Brown and Brown or Hub International, please <laughs> reach out to Scott or I. Promise we will not tell anybody who you are, but we'll tell you one of those people called and told us I it's gotta be in the millions. I was gonna be. ask you, Bradley. Best guess, what does Hub International pay a year, one year of the NO coverage? It's, I mean, I had a company today that was a mid-sized company, middle markets paying 200K for just cyber. So, I mean, you think about something like that. I mean, it's got to be three or four million. Can, can, we have, can we have secret time for just a minute? Nobody's, sure. Nobody besides people listening to this will ever hear this. Sure. Do you have, an, do you have a cyber policy? I do. I don't. I, do. I don't. I do. Oh, you need to buy a cyber policy. I was going to buy one. And the dude said the freaking application now is like 18 pages long. And I was like, I, don't, yeah. I ain't got time for that shit. Dude, I went through a lot. I went through, I jumped through a lot of hoops about cyber policy. This, uh, like five years ago, you could like fill out a little online form for mm-hmm. here's six questions to answer. And you'd yeah. have a cyber policy. Now, it's now like, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. had to turn multi-factor authentication on, on all our computers. Oh 
we had to get like backup codes. We had to encrypt some stuff, put a firewall in, all that kind of stuff. Now, I will say it's kind of like, so here in the coast, we talk, all of our carriers, when we write a homeowner's policy, they all inspect the house after the fact. Every single one of them does a four-point exterior inspection. Mm. Uh, post-bind inspection is what we call it. I was can talking, I ask to, I was talking to Handley one day. Yeah, one second. I question? was talking to Handley one day, and he said, what the hell is a post-bind inspection? Sure, ask your question. Do the people they send out to do post-bind inspections know what in the hell they're no, doing? Or is they it just like somebody's bro- brother-in-law that they yes. hired to go out and do these? Yes, they are god-awful. They are terrible. And I don't know any of them, and I'm not ashamed to say that. You are awful. They're terrible. We get comments all the time about, like, this is the most unprofessional person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'll hang up on customers when they try to call it. They'll, they'll, they, they won't facilitate scheduling the inspection, but then the company will try to cancel them because the inspector said they wouldn't schedule the inspection when the inspector didn't answer the phone. It's like your, your whole third party adjuster position is right. like cupcakes compared to this <laughs> Swedish massage. Yeah. Anyway, but it's kind of like we explain to the customers because customers get weird about it. We say, look, if they find anything, it's something that you should fix anyway. Right. And so th- what I will say about the difficulty of cyber applications now is everything that they ask you to do in order you, for you to be eligible for the cyber application, you should probably do anyway. Right. Right. God, so, I need to get one so bad. I would, I would, I would go to Pro Riders. About, they're, they're about the one. They're the only one that makes it pretty easy now. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly who I was. What, what's our guy's name over there? I keep forgetting his name. I've got it on the tip of my tongue. Brian, I think. I think it's Brian. It's Brian Thornton. It's Brian, Brian Thornton. Thornton. Yeah, Brian Thornton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro but, Riders. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting the thing the hoops that you have to jump through. I mean, it was and it wasn't as bad at renewal. At renewal, it was like everything good. Yep, yep, we're good. Nothing, you know. And we did have, I will say, we had a situation two years ago where we thought one of our employees got hacked, right. but it, but it was actually just like a spoofed email. So still something you could, you should look into, but not real bad. And so we had, we had turned, we had put them on notice probably a little prematurely. And so we did have mm-hmm. one claim on a record, but nothing was paid. Nothing ever came from it. It was just somebody overreacted mainly me. You know what I mean? So getting back to your post inspections and, you know, I remember years ago as a captive agent, you had a lot of used to, they wanted the agent to go out to the house and take mm-hmm. pictures and you'd put that in some kind of document vault mm-hmm. for the underwriter to look at and they wouldn't bind coverage unless you had pictures. Mm-hmm. And then before that, back in like the seventies and eighties, I have had, I've looked at files from the seventies and eighties where agents would mail in the application. And it's like the Polaroids freaking Polaroid pictures. Have you seen those? I have. Yeah. That's some crazy shit right there. So my question is why don't underwriters, instead of doing this whole post inspection thing, why don't they just look on Google earth at the damn house? What's the deal? I think a lot of them would if they could do that, but I think it's pressure from reinsurers. That's where I think it's coming uh, okay. from. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. When we, we first wanna... started Portal, it was maybe one out of every three houses we wrote. Now it's all of them. Are all of these like 
you know, direct to consumer like lemonade and, and then, and then even like branch and openly, are they all doing post inspection stuff too? So openly, I don't know about branch openly does it's random, but not, not random. It's random. As far as how we see it, we have no idea what house they're going to inspect or not. Right. Generally speaking, if you write something on the coast with openly, they're probably going to inspect it. There's certain parameters within the data points on the house that trigger an inspection. So it, it's kind of done that way. But all of ours, man, like I, gu- I guarantee you, because because what's happening is these carriers are paying like 150 bucks. Excuse me. The carriers are charging the client 150 bucks for an inspection. The client pays for it in the premium. A lot of cases, especially with the NS wow. or always with the NS. The client's paying like 150 bucks. The carriers turn around and they're paying this inspection company 80 to $100 right. to inspect it. And the problem is, so, so I actually considered starting an inspection company. Here we go. Just because the people, not because I was trying to game the system because the people were so bad, but I started talking to a couple of carriers and like, well, for you to partner with a carrier, you have to be nationwide. Well, the problem is these, none of these companies are nationwide. So what they do is they go find John Boy and Billy in Beaumont, West Virginia, and they pay them $9 an hour to go inspect it. It takes them an hour. So they're getting paid. So it's $150, $89. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you can't, you can't go hire a legit home inspector to do this, right? But even though the carriers are making a little bit of money, I don't think if they – had to push a button and could undo having, I don't think they want to do that. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think it's pressure from reinsurers that's causing it. If I had to bet my life on it, as my father would say, if I had to bet my life on it, I, that's what I bet that that's what it is. I bet you in a lot of cases, the underwriter glances at a Google earth picture. And if For they, sure. if they think it's got like, maybe there's something there that's kind of, or maybe the house sitting in like real good shape. They, they just click a button that says, ordering post buying inspection. You know, a really good strategy for that would be, you know, you can look at Google Earth images and see when the picture was taken. Correct. You know. Correct. 2020. Okay, yeah, this house is good. It doesn't look Exactly. Good. Yeah, yes. I bet you I bet you if it falls in a 3-year range of like or 4 or 5 like 2018, if the house was built from 2015 to 2022, I could I I can't believe they would order an inspection on something like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's built 1985, you can just about guarantee their post post bond inspection that that mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So Bradley, we got to get off this podcast soon. I want to give these agents something they can they can use. I read Billy Wagner's book last week. I finally mm-hmm. had a chance when I was on vacation. I read it. Did not take me long. Took me a couple of hours to read. Business Masterclass by Billy Wagner. It motivated me to make some changes in my life relative to efficiencies. And, you know, we've talked to Billy about this before on yep. the podcast, but uh, I'm trying to be more efficient in what I do in my life. I've uh, started putting everything I have on auto draft was one thing I did. And I don't like that because I'm an old guy. I'm 50 years old, but I do recognize that was taking a significant time out of my week and month to handwrite checks for power, water, sewer, car payment, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to make some changes there. The other thing that he kind of made me think about in that book was 
dialing in what my three important core values are. Mm. That was another thing in that book that I really liked. Was a, I, I love the book. I thought it was a great book. Is a, a Mexican ashtray beer one of your core values? Core, core values, no, but I will be drinking one next Oh, week. yeah. You better believe that. We're going to go back to secret time, okay, guys? Trust so me. What, one of the reasons I wanted to go on vacation, I've always been a love guy. You know, my friends that have known me since I was in kindergarten, one of them said something to me one time, not too long ago, maybe a year ago, they said, you know, the reason everybody loves Scott Howell is because Scott Howell, no matter where he goes, always has a good time. Mm -hmm. He always enjoys himself. He's fun to be around. I I love people. I express that love in words because I never know what's going to happen the next day and if I'm going to be around or not. So I, I always tell people how much I love them. And I try, and I've noticed in the past six months, more so than any time in my insurance career, I've become so jaded. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like every phone call I had, I'm scrimmaging with somebody, most of which I send to you. And it's like, brother, you're not going to believe this shit. Listen to this. I love when I get a text from Scott and it <clears> says <throat> voice recording. And, and it's, it's just gotten to this point to where I'm so jaded towards clients Mm -hmm. I could tell I needed a break, but some of it's rightfully so though. It is. Anybody listening to this podcast thinks they could go through an Amy situation followed by an ENO claim and not get at least a little bit jaded. Yeah. Don't ever call me about going into business with me because you are so delusional. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot. It freaking was a lot. Billy Graham, Dave Ramsey and, and the Dalai Lama and mother Teresa would be jaded going through something like that. So give yourself a little bit of a break. I appreciate you saying that. So, so here's some of the things I wrote down on the airplane. So five, I wrote down five core values, five. He has three, three that he lives off of here. Here's the first thing I wrote down, Bradley. I want everybody to write this shit down. Core values by Billy Wagner. His book is entitled business masterclass core values. Here's the first question you've got to ask yourself. What gives me the most happiness in life? What gives me the most happiness in life. He had three core values. Now I'm approaching this in a different format than Billy Wagner did. Billy wrote down his three core values that he feels like make him the happiest in life. And I started thinking about it and I thought, well, I think what I want to do is I want to write down five core values that I, that give me the most happiness in life. And I'm going to add to the Billy Wagner book here for just a second, ladies and gentlemen, three core values that I need to work on mm -hmm. three core values, because you can just Google search a list of core values and you, it, it, you can get list and list and list of core values. Right. Mm -hmm. And here's some things I wrote down. I'm not finished with this yet. Maybe we need to have another podcast where I just talk about this. I wrote down love, love over hate. Mm-hmm love over being jaded towards people. How do I get back? And I was talking to Clinton or in my agency yesterday, we had a client call. He's one of our problem children. And as Clint's talking to him on the phone, on speaker phone, he just keeps getting more mad and more mad and more mad. And it's coming across on the phone. I put him on mute one time. I'm like, Clint, you got to calm down. This, this is not working. What you're doing right now is not working. You're, he just kept escalating, kept escalating. And I thought, 
and the other thing about getting mad during a conversation, you can't think as fast when you're mad. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Like when you get really pissed off, it's hard to think. Yeah. Cause you get to that red line point where it's like you black out almost. And then you mm-hmm. get off the phone and you're like, man, I wish I'd have said this. And I, if you can somehow manage your emotions to stay calm, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to talk through it a lot better. Even if the other person's screaming or yelling on the phone mm-hmm. and make your points, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to think about what mm-hmm. you want to say. Cause you're just so well, mad. You're like, I want to drive to their house right now and beat the shit out of them. Well, it's like tiger woods back in his heyday he would the way he would prevent himself from getting nervous because whether you are nervous in the anxious sense or your body is nervous it's going to affect your golf swing Mm -hmm. you you may hit it good but you may hit it further than you expect it you know right he would he would slow down he would walk slower than his competitor to relegate blood pressure no i totally totally agree with that when i get an email that i know is going to piss me off i purposely won't read it right away i kind of like let myself spike because we all see the little preview and then i kind of let's bring it back down okay let's respond anyway continue number two i wrote down grit Mm -hmm. determination i to this day say that that is the number one determining factor in success is the ability to stick with something now let me describe what I mean by that. I had a lady down in Jamaica walk up to me and she said, are you Thor, the, the actor off the Marvel movies? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. But I appreciate you saying that. That was a kind. She was dead ass serious. She thought I was, uh, was it Chris Hemsworth? Is that who Thor is? Chris Hemsworth? That would have been I, so good if she thought you were Jason Momoa. I know, right? So I say that, say this, I had somebody else. I have people come up to me from time to time and they'll ask me like, man, you're big, like working out, you must work out all the time. And I told somebody in Jamaica that asked me that one day, they said, they asked me about working out and while, you know, how I got so big or whatever. And I said, look, can I tell you a secret? I hate working out, but I've been doing it since I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of become institutionalized every single morning when I get up and I walk outside to go into my little gym, which now I've joined the YMCA, which is like right across the road from me here. So I, I'm getting bigger again and stronger and all that stuff. Cause I can lift like lots and lots of weight. Well, I hate it. I have to mentally talk myself into going to do it because I hate it so much. But I, and I've been doing it for, I mean, 50 minus 16 is what? What's 50 minus 16? 30, uh, 34. 34 years. I've been doing it 34 years. I hate working out, but I have to go do it. It's just like uh, bathing. I just have to go do it. Mm-hmm. Grit and determination. That was number two. Number three, integrity. Telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Taking the truth. Living the truth. That has been one of the biggest factors in the success that I've had in my life over the last five or six years that I think was missing was living my truth. Uh-huh. And yeah. what I mean by that is not, not only telling the truth, but also being able to listen to somebody telling you the truth about yourself and then taking away all the stuff that you're doing, you shouldn't be doing. And I kind of feel like that falls into integrity 
for sure. Whether it's drinking too much, sleeping around, doing what you know, because all that stuff takes mental space up in your head that takes away from your business. It takes away from you thinking about your business and your family and your kids and all this other stuff. So I kind of lump integrity in with all that. And, and when I started living my truth across the board, like it just, you know, as well as anybody, you just get what you get with me mm, Yeah. now used to not be that way. Yeah. But I do think that's been probably as big, if not bigger than anything else that's helped me in the past five or six years mm-hmm. is just living that truth. I'll stop right there. I know we got to get off this podcast. You got to go. And as I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and do what we are desperately working with Nicholas Lucas and my agency to do. Go build relationships with people. Go talk to people. Go sit down and figure out how you can help them. And one day you'll sell a bunch of damn insurance. That's right. All you got to do. Go make money for your family, for your wife, for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Go help them. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, Scott. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. And next week... I will be live in Mobile, Alabama with the one and only Mr. Bradley Flowers. Can't wait to make it happen. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.